On today's podcast, I have my good friend Danielle joining me. Our careers in fashion brought us together, and during this episode, we talk about making and rewriting our plans when life gets in the way. This is Realistically with Liz. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I want to take everyone through how we met and what you were doing during that time and what you're doing now. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, This is my first uh, invite to join a podcast, so I'm super excited about it. Um, So to get into your first question about how we met, um, I'm terrible at remembering things. However, I think it was (laughs) when I was with Frame. Is that correct? Yeah, you were working with Frame and I was with Jabrin at the time. Yes. So I think we met. So we were both retail coordinators, um, for, you know, different denim companies. And, um, we were in the same store quite often, actually. I think I was in that store once or twice a week. Um, and you know, you start to see the same people over and over again and whether you know their names or not, you kind of say hi and, you know, you're cordial and whatnot. But, um, I remember, hearing your name from someone else. And I was like, Oh, I I have to introduce myself to her. You know, I see her there all the time. And um, so I think that's kind of how it like our friendship started. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I I think that, as you said, you you see people a couple of times and you're cordial, you know, you try to go on with your day to day tasks. And you're like, Okay, I need to get this done. And you almost like don't want to be rude. Cause you're like, Oh, I need to get this done. But I also want to say hi to this person because you know, we're just going to keep seeing each other. And totally. that definitely happened that way. We met originally at Bergdorf Goodman. And I think Jenny was the one from the store who actually was like, Oh, did you meet the frame rep? Like, have you met the J brand rep vice versa? Um, and I think that's where really it started, but you had also known one of my coworkers, so I think it also could have been from, from just like word of mouth, uh, which, you know, again, working in, in that kind of retail community is, is really small. It's, it's so small. A small world. So <laughs> you end up, you know, really knowing everyone or like knowing everyone's name, but then not knowing their face. And, you know, like you said, you know, having a terrible memory, which, you know, I agree. So I kind of like knew a lot of names and, you know, didn't know a lot of faces. So it was nice that we actually, you know, eventually started chatting and, you know, became friends. I do remember um, when we finally went, I think it was a summer Friday. I was thinking about this the other day that we ended up going to Italy on the rooftop and, you know, having, having drinks, having snacks. And I think that was the first time that we actually like really had like a one-on-one moment that was not work related. And it was like really fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're always like on the go and, um, being in the stores, you know, of course we're, you know, focused and doing our work, but it was super nice. I was actually thinking about that the other day as well, how we went, it was so beautiful. I can't wait to do that again. Once we get out of our little quarantine situation. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. I think rooftops, I mean, especially that the weather will hopefully get better by that time, um, is, is definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. So during your time at frame, you mentioned you were a retail coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of walked through what that is in a previous episode because you know a lot of people just hey Danielle thanks for joining me on the podcast today I want to take everyone through how we met and what you were doing during that time and what you're doing now 
Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, this is my first uh, invite to join a podcast. So I'm super excited about it. Um, so to get into your first question about how we met, um, I'm terrible at remembering things. However, I think it was <laughs> when I was with Frame. Is that correct? Yeah, you were working with Frame and I was with Jabrin at the time. Yes. So I think we met. So we were both retail coordinators um, for, you know, different denim companies. And um, we were in the same store quite often, actually. I think I was in that store once or twice a week. Um, and, you know, you start to see the same people over and over again. And whether you know their names or not, you kind of say hi and, you know, you're cordial and whatnot. But um, I remember hearing your name from someone else. And I was like, Oh, I, I have to introduce myself to her. You know, I see her there all the time. And um, so I think that's kind of how it like our friendship started. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think that, as you said, you you see people a couple of times and you're cordial, you know, you try to go on with your day to day tasks. And you're like, Okay, I need to get this done. And it, you almost like don't want to be rude. Cause you're like, Oh, I need to get this done. But I also want to say hi to this person because you know, we're just going to keep seeing each other. And totally. that definitely happened that way. We met originally at Bergdorf Goodman. And I think Jenny was the one from the store who actually was like, Oh, did you meet the frame rep? Like, have you met the J brand rep vice versa? Um, and I think that's where really it started, but you had also known one of my coworkers so I think it also could have been from, from just like word of mouth, uh, which, you know, again, working in, in that kind of retail community is, is really small. It's so it's small, small world. <laughs> so you end up, you know, really knowing everyone or like knowing everyone's name, but then not knowing their face. And, you know, like you said, you know, having a terrible memory, which, you know, I agree. So I kind of like knew a lot of names and, you know, didn't know a lot of faces. So it was nice that we actually, you know, eventually started chatting and, you know, became friends. I do remember um, when we finally went, I think it was a summer Friday. I was thinking about this the other day that we ended up going to Italy on the rooftop and, you know, having, having drinks, having snacks. And I think that was the first time that we actually like really had like a one-on-one -on -one moment that was not work related. And it was like really fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're always like on the go and um, being in the stores, you know, of course we're, you know, focused and doing our work, but it was super nice. I was actually thinking about that the other day as well, how we went, it was so beautiful. I can't wait to do that again. Once we get out of our little quarantine situation. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. I think rooftops, I mean, especially that the weather will hopefully get better by that time. Um, is, is definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Or just unaware of all the options that you have working for a brand. So, mm -hmm. you know, how long were you, were you, have you been doing that? Or, you know, was this their first time being in a retail coordinator? What led you to that first, um, to that job? Okay. So I feel like my career path was kind of interesting. Um, initially when I had, so I'll kind of step back a little bit and tell you a little bit about my backstory. So you kind of have an idea of what led me up to this career path and, you know, this industry. Um, when I was in high school, um, I, you know, we're getting ready to graduate. We're really deciding like where you want to go to school, you know, what you want to do next, you know, the career choices that you have. And at the time I had told 
my parents that I wanted to get into fashion. And when I told them that, they, you know, like many other people, and like you had said, you know, people don't realize that there's so many different lanes in this industry. They think you're either a buyer or a designer and that's it. You know, most people don't realize how many different avenues there really are. So when I had told my parents that I wanted to get into fashion, they told me that I couldn't do that because that wasn't a career choice. So when I was first out of school, I ended up going for education and not even fashion, which is kind of interesting. Um, so initially when I went away to school, I ended up getting an associate's degree in elementary education and special ed, but my heart was still so focused on this, you know, fashion journey that I wanted to go on. So, um, I decided that after I'd gotten my associate's degree without telling my parents, I decided to apply to one of the schools in the city in New York, um, LIM. And I took it upon myself to go to an instant decision day that they were having. So you essentially go and they interview you and you bring your resume and um, your transcripts and they let you know on the spot whether or not you get in. So that's really interesting. I've never, I've never heard of that. Yes. And it's, it was super, I honestly, I didn't know that it existed either, but after doing some more research and, um, into different fashion schools that, you know, I potentially wanted to study at. Um, I noticed that this was coming up within a week of um, classes beginning for the semester. And I took myself down there and I interviewed and I got in and I started a week later. Um, So, you know, really unexpected, but really exciting. Um, And then that's kind of where it started in terms of my like education in this field. Did you know anybody that had gone to LIM? Like how, how did that research kind of come about? Or, you know, I know similar, similarly to myself, when I looked for schools in fashion, it was really just like fashion schools, like in Google and whatever existed back then. Mm-hmm. And that's how I found FIT in New York. So d- going back to my question, did you hear about LIM from anybody or, you know, just from growing up in New York or how, how did that come about maybe? So as you said, I did grow up in New York. So, you know, I didn't know of specific fashion schools. Um, you know, of course, FIT, it's incredibly famous and um, uh, well-renowned. And then Pratt and Parsons, I also knew of as well. But I I thought to myself, you know, I'm sure other schools in the city that have this program um, that I'm interested in, you know. I think that's really advanced for LIM to have something like that in place, especially Mm -hmm. for people that are, you know, continuing their education and it's not their first stop. So it's, it really cuts out the whole, you know, middleman in terms of waiting, like, you know, submitting an application online or submitting it through the mail maybe, and just like waiting for that whole process to, you know, hear back and get that letter, you know, like how people always show in the movies waiting for that big envelope for it to be like an admission letter. Because I didn't really have any friends where I grew up that were kind of interested in this line of work. So I did a little bit more research myself. And um, I knew I wanted to stay in New York. You know, my family, I was born and raised here. And um, I knew I didn't want to go very far. You know, I came across LIM and um, it is a private school. So it's not a state school like FIT. You know, when I was doing the research on the website, it came up about this instant decision day. And 
I guess they only held these um, days when they did not fill up their transfer student quota for the semester. There was only X amount of spots available, um, and I found it just in time to attend it the following week and um, was able to take a tour of the school and kind of see how I felt about it. And then I was able to, you know, participate in this instant decision day, which was fantastic. Sound, I mean, it sounds great having that and, you know, going on a tour, especially I know that always makes a difference, which is funny because I, I remember going on my tour at FIT and it, it almost like, I think I signed up for the wrong tour <laughs> and I, I did not fall in love with FIT when I did the tour. I was almost like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not going to end up going here. You know, it was like, they had one, I, I believe for like juniors and then one for seniors. That's kind of how I remember it. Got it. I was senior at the time mm-hmm. already and I had already been accepted. So that's why I wanted to take the tour and the people that I was sitting next to with like, you know, they were there with their parents, obviously. And, you know, everybody was just learning about how to apply to FIT. When was the right time to apply? Like, you know, what you needed to, you know, prepare for, like, what were the deliverables? And I just knew I was in the wrong room. So, you know, I couldn't, I I was there for a limited time. Like I had gone on like, kind of like that college road trip with my mom for just a few days. So, you know, our time was very limited right. and I didn't get to reschedule a tour. Also, don't you think it's interesting? It's, it's good and bad. I think that it's great because you're really moving to New York. Like this is like a huge, like that's going to be your impact. It's not so much like, oh, you're going to school. Like, yes, that's why you're moving right. here. But, you know. FIT. Also very different when you're doing a college tour in a major city versus having a campus set up. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's so different. New York City is essentially the campus. And it's not. Yeah, which it's 27th Street between 7th and 8th Avenue. And they own most of the buildings that are there that are all classrooms and, you know, auditoriums and cafeterias. So and, and dorm rooms also. So it's really small. You're not definitely going there to see a campus. It's very different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I talked about this a little bit when just, you know, thinking back to when you're making these decisions, like before even knowing like, oh, I'm going to school for fashion. Like you think of just the idea of going to college and, and you, you know, relate it back to, you know, let's say if you had an older brother, an older sister, you think of where they're going, going to football games or they're going to I don't know. They, they have like, you know, different like clubs sorority and houses and fraternity. Yeah. Houses. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. And like, but, and it's like, you forget about those things, especially when you move to New York, but then you have New York, which is so different. Mm-hmm. So your whole experience changes. For me personally, when I, I lived at FIT for, I think my first two years okay. of college, I eventually, you know, got a job like throughout college, then I was able to say, okay, I have money, I can do things, whether it was like silly things like, you know, going to the movies or going shopping and like, you know, just doing that sort Mm -hmm. of thing made a difference because it was all right there. Totally. And it was just like, it's right at your fingertips, which I think is just like, always so nice to think about that, you know, now, obviously, like, we've definitely taken it for granted in terms of like walking a couple blocks and going to a coffee shop or going to a bar or going to dinner. And, you know, now we can't do that. <laughs> so true. Um, so you go to LIM. Yes. And-, and it was actually interesting. I don't mean to interrupt you. It was actually interesting. So I didn't live uh, at the dorms. Also, the dorms were about 
Not great. 40. <laughs> well, not even that. But they were 40 blocks north of all of the buildings, which was oh, so not convenient. It was not convenient. And they were so expensive. And they actually shared them with other schools, which I thought was kind of oh. interesting. Um, because, you know, LIM, it's, it's a decent sized school. It's not massive by any means. There was only three majors at the, within the school. So, um, you know, where they had the dorms in relation to the buildings, it was, you know, for somebody that maybe has never been to New York before, it would be, it would definitely be an adventure just to learn how to get from the dorm to the school itself. But because it ended up being so expensive, I ended up moving straight into the city. I w- when I started at LIM, I was actually a junior. Being in a studio when you're 19 <laughs> is, I mean, amazing. But also, like you said, you know, you're not with your parents. It's very different. You're not in dorm no. life. Which you- at the time, I moved into a studio by myself at 19. So it was kind of, it was really life-changing. It was a really pivotal <laughs> point in my life, to be quite honest, moving from being at home and I had gone to a community college for two years and then um, moving straight into the city and being by myself. So that was interesting in itself. (laughs) A sense of direction immediately. Like you need to be completely aware of your surroundings when you move to the city. 100%. Yeah. And it was interesting. You know, I, I did work full full time while I was in school as well. I did have to support myself to some extent. So I was kind of thrown into it. You know, I started, it's interesting. I remember when I got into the school from that instant decision day, school started the following week. And then within three weeks, I had found the studio apartment and I moved in and it was like completely different. (laughs) So just adapting on my own, learning to live on my own. And it's terrifying as a 19 year old girl and you're living by yourself. It's completely terrifying to kind of start this all by yourself, you know? So I definitely think it gave me a sense of independence doing that so young. And like, I always tell my mom, like speaking to her now after going through all the things that I've been through, I always tell her if I ever have a daughter later in life, I want her to live by herself at least once, even if it's for one year, because you gain such a sense of self and independence and knowing you can take care of yourself and knowing you can do and get everything done that you need to get done and just teaching yourself how to do things you otherwise wouldn't if you weren't living by yourself. Very different. And it gives us literally, I think when I had maybe a family member come over, they were like, oh my God, how are you living in this neighborhood? Like it was such a shock. Like everyone was just like, what are you doing with your life? But it was so interesting because I also had, I agree. I, I think that you know, getting especially your independence living in New York is is something that not everyone can say they've done. And I remember the moment like when I decided that it was more cost effective to not live in dorms, but I I still didn't have like, you know, enough financial support to do Mm -hmm. it by myself. So I ended up moving to an apartment in Bushwick at the time um, with two other people in college. And it was like, before the L train was like, a hipster thing like one of my friends coming to my apartment and like I took this up I I gave him directions I was like this is how you get here from Times Square (laughs) of course they were staying in Times Square and when he like got to my apartment he was like oh my god like you have your own apartment like this is sick like I'm still living with my parents back home like it was so different like 
for me, like for them to think like, you know, anybody I grew up with in Puerto Rico, they were like, oh my God, like you're living on your own with like friends, <laughs> like at like, you know, 18, nine, or no, it was definitely like 1920 during that time. So, and you know, that's when you kind of like, you know, you really gain that independence. And I just remember having like my routine. I remember I, you know, you're trying to be smart with your money as much as the college student can be smart <laughs> with your money. And I just remember like getting off the train and I would get like my $5 pizza at Little Caesars. <laughs> then I would get like a beer at the deli. And then I would go home and I'd be like, great, you like, have this to, is my life. And you it, have it was- to be so crafty with your money and, you know, how you food shop. Like I remember I used to get ramen noodles, you know, like the gross package ramen noodles and I would get, I would get the ramen <laughs> yeah. noodles and I would get rid of the seasoning because I thought it was unhealthy and I would like heat up these noodles and I would put like a <laughs> scrambled egg in it with like frozen peas and made my own little stir fry and I would like live oh off God. of that stuff <laughs> I will say I was me and my sister were the first people in our family to go and co- right. to go to college Same. And that, that was a huge thing. And, you know, my sister definitely, I will always say she's like, you know, way smarter. I think just, you know, thinking of older (laughs) sister syndrome, but like, you know, she went to school for business and like went, you know, to almost like a, I don't know if it's an Ivy league, but you know, she went to like a business school and, you know, then it's like me studying fashion (laughs) and everybody was like, what are, what are you doing? But they were like, okay, like you be free, like go, go do whatever you want. And like, you know, see if you can get a job and you definitely have to like, you know, be crafty. I think that also like from what it sounds like, you know, we both had families that, you know, were supporting our decision for going out on our own, but also being like, this is your decision. Like you decided to, to be independent. So at the end of the day, I did get a job and I did support myself and, you know, no one, at that time, you know, from family was helping right, me. Same. Like there was like, they were like, okay, here, like we'll pay for school, let's say. I don't remember what the arrangement was back then, but I think it was definitely like, you know, help with tuition and then everything else aside from tuition. Yeah, I had like to you need your spending so money, make your own things. spending money, you know? Yeah. And those are, those are a lot of things at, again, 1920 for you to be responsible mm-hmm. for. Um, yes, (laughs) I love their stuff. Like the Weekender stuff. I I think it's still really, really good. So when I was in high school, that's where I was working at the time. I was working at La Sportsac and um, I ended up making, you know, my way up to a key holder. So if you're not familiar with what a key holder is, it's essentially a floor supervisor when the store manager is not in and when the assistant store manager isn't in. So I ended up being a full-time key holder while I was still, um, you know, living at home and I was, you know, getting my other, my associate's degree at the time. So that kind of really helped me to get into LIM because I was able to show that I did have some experience on my resume. Obviously you're still only 19 years old. You will, you know, you end up, you know, realizing the things you need, you know, to get your ducks in a row. So, you know, speaking of jobs, what was that first job? Like, let's say when you were still Mm -hmm. at LIM or, you know, maybe when you graduated from LIM, what was that first kind of stepping stone in your Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was working at um, a local outlet mall. Um, So I had a retail background all throughout um, high school and those first two years of college that I was studying while I was still living at home. So I've kind of started, you know, as a retail sales associate. um, And while I was, Mm -hmm you know, I stayed at the same store. Do you remember that store, La Sports Sack? They had nylon bags. 
thinking back, I, just as you mentioned, like that they had mm-hmm. store, only two stores back in the day. I'm wondering, I actually worked in meatpacking oh back God. in the day when I worked for Ted Baker. So I wonder if we were literally down the block from each other. I, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised. But I also was able to get a letter of recommendation from my district manager at the time, who I am happy to say her and I are still super close. And she is a mentor of mine in the industry. Um, But she provided me with a letter of recommendation. So she kind of helped get me into the school, which was awesome. So after starting and moving into the city, I ended up getting a job with another retailer, um, And I was a sales associate there as well. And I just kind of needed to get, you know, my foot into something. I needed to start making some money. And I was there. um, It wasn't my most favorite experience (laughs) of all my uh, retail experiences. Um, But I was there for a good, almost a year, I want to say. And, you know, it was great. I was able to work after school. I was able to work on the weekends. And it really did give me some of that spending money I needed, some of that grocery money that I needed. Um, But the next job that I took was, I think, pivotal for me because it also helped leverage me into a position when I was done with college. So that job was at Vince. So if I'm not sure if all of your followers know, Vince is a really, I would say it's a really awesome, minimalist, contemporary brand. Um, And at the time, they were really growing, but there was only two retail stores in the city. Now there's, I mean, I can't, I don't even know how many there are now, but there was only two. There was one in Nolita and there was one in meatpacking. And I actually got a job as a key holder at the meatpacking location. So I was there from the time I left the previous company and up until I graduated college. And what was amazing is through a connection I had met while being in that store, I was able to leverage myself into a retail coordinator position with them at the corporate level. You know, at this point, the Ted Baker store over there, um, I, I believe it closed now. I mean, it's definitely been oh my gosh, it's so crazy. eight years since, since I've worked there. But I mean, definitely at that time, you know, in meatpacking, it's, meatpacking is very different. So if someone from, you know, not in New York comes to the city and especially if they go to meatpacking you know you're very close to chelsea but at the same time it is you know meatpacking was where they packed meat you know hundreds of years ago and now it's just like the area mm-hmm. is so special now like they you know it's very niche like you know in terms of like you yes. know you're going to the standard or you're going to the games board and it's very you know very <laughs> yes. posh if you want to call it that and i think only over the past like five years they've started adding you know more I think like more franchisee mm-hmm. stores, like there's an Apple store now, there's a huge Starbucks reserve now. And then there's Chelsea Market, which is obviously a very big, you know, tourist area. Back then, you know, thinking that there's boutique stores, you know, doing, you know, really well. And, you know, it's just, it's, it was really different. It was like, you know, you were walking, it was definitely people like, and it's so beautiful. The There's so much history that, there. You know, if you think of like Times Square for somebody that's not familiar with meatpacking, if you think of Times Square and it's like completely paved streets and sidewalks, and then you go to me, they still have like the cobble, the cobble and brick, you know, streets and walkways and the buildings are not, you know, not all of them are rises. They're still, you know they still resemble the meatpacking states. 
which is awesome. So I definitely think that you need to check it out if you've never been. I remember over the years, they started mm-hmm. building the High Line, which I remember when that first opened, it was like just such an amazing experience too, because it was like in the background and then they just make, they take an old railroad track. They make this like beautiful walkway for people to just like, you know, and, and at the no. time there was nothing around there. Like remember like anytime, like I had like a break or just like had time, like let's say maybe I showed up to work a little bit early and just like decided to like walk the streets, like, you know, sit outside, have a coffee if it, you know, obviously wasn't winter time. And I would yes. go to like Haba, <laughs> which is like a little coffee shop. So oh my God, so good. I would get like, I would get a chai and then I would like sit down and it was so nice. And, you know, that kind of meatpacking leads you into, into like the West Village and like, you know, that whole area, which is again, really beautiful and just, yeah, just really interesting that we were both probably around the same probably time. Around the same time. I loved it. You know, like you said, there, there wasn't as much as there is now down there. Like there were so many vacant buildings I remember. And I would always go to the one like dive diner across the street And I would always get like my breakfast sandwich from there. And it was like the oldest diner. They did not have updated systems. It was just, and everybody was so nice. And it was just such a friendly, like neighborhoody environment. And and then also, you know, at night it became this like area for nightlife and clubs. So I even remember like being in school, whether or not I should have been at the club, but you know, you go there at night and it's a super fun nightlife. So it's so, it's so different from day to night and you know, being able to experience that. And yeah, we probably walked past each other on the street and had no idea. (laughs) So, you know, you Mm -hmm. were at Vince during a time that, you know, I think Vince was definitely at its prime. And I think that was when a lot of brands entered the contemporary market that were a little bit more simple, you know, a little less extravagant, but also just growing that contemporary, um, Mm -hmm. you know, feel out there. Because I think it wasn't, you know, it wasn't there. Like, I feel like there was designer and then there was like fast fashion. And then there was maybe something in the middle. And it was just like, it hadn't really been defined that, you know, their clothes are definitely pieces that you can kind of like mix and match with your everyday wardrobe. And I think that they kind of still hold that a little bit. But I mean, back then, definitely Vince was, oh my gosh, no. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) You aren't really taught about how to no. put you know things together it's really like your work experience and if you end up in that path how you learn how to you know put together a look or you know just make a statement because no. those things are not taught. I think like, it's they're an not instinct in any textbook. as well and I think like that, not everybody has that yeah remember what was it? oh my the, gosh the leather Beautiful. leggings or just one of the pants was like the what it was just like the most like once I actually you know started working at a higher level in terms of of retail you know working and seeing Vince in like department stores um that's like you know when I was introduced to the brand because you know if not I definitely did not know like you know you walk by these boutiques in New York you know at whatever age and you just see them and like I think that's also something that we pride ourselves with doing working in retail and especially working in a merchandising type role Mm -hmm. or a coordinator type role like we are super detail oriented, we're making sure that, you know, the customer feels a certain type of way when they walk into your shop, whether it's a brick and mortar shop, or whether it's, you know, 400 square feet at a department store. And, you know, it's really understanding what every, you know, piece says to the collection, or, 
going back to exactly like what the designer had in mind when they created that garment or what they decided to do there. And I think that that's something really special that, you know, you definitely end up learning along the way, but it's something that everyone Mm -hmm. does differently. Being exposed to it and just having that kind of creative ability as well. It's definitely something you just have, you yeah, know, no, so agreed, you're, you're right. Yeah. It's not taught to you. And you mentioned that when you were at Vince, you were able to leverage mm-hmm. your, your experience there and enter into yeah. a more corporate setting yeah. at becoming a retail coordinator. So was that the path that you thought you were always going to go on? Like, did you think that you were going to continue, you know, within corporate or at least, you know, re- within like a retail, um, trajectory with with Vince at least or even with other brands like what was kind of like that next step you wanted to hit or what was that dream job that or maybe the idea of like you know making it so I think you, and felt you could that. probably say the same about your experience but while you're in school um yes. you know you you really have to explore the different lanes that you could potentially get into and LAM what I would say that they do the best. So they expect you to do a number of internships throughout your time at the college, which is, I think is really important because I mean, you know, as well as I know, when you're done and you graduate, if you don't have any internship experience, a very famous fashion magazine. um, So I was, I thought, you know, let's explore editorial and see if that's something I'm interested in. Turns out that is not my lane. I do not, I am not into editorial. Um, It's just, it wasn't my thing. It's, you know, it's great. There were some girls that really excelled at it and they loved it. And, you know, what was great about that, I could take something positive away from everything. So what was great about that is it really opened my eyes to all different designers that maybe I had never heard of before. So I would definitely take that away as, you know, a learning experience, but I knew that editorial was not my thing. The next one I went on to was a wholesale internship for a really small private company, um, a private showroom. And I really enjoyed it. I liked the idea of even want to look at your resume or consider you. They want to know that you were actively involved in something and really put yourself out there and really gain some insight into the business. So while I was at LIM, you know, technically the first quote unquote internship they expect you to do is retail, um, some kind of retail sales associate role. But because I had already, you know, proven that that's something that I've had on my resume, I was able to get credit for it immediately. And I was on to the next. So then they um, needed three additional internships from me while I was at the school. So the first one I did was with a the wholesale end of it. So I think that's what kind of sparked my interest in, you know, in that corporate wholesale world. And then the last one that I moved on to, you need one big internship. To, so basically your final semester at LIM, which I thought was incredibly interesting, you take an internship and you actually work at your internship Monday through Thursday from nine to six, as if it was a full-time job. So I was so fortunate. I got an internship at Chanel, which not many people could say that they've done. Um, it's like the top yeah, of the that's, top. That's, it's like wherever. Yeah. One for the books right okay, there. So yeah. I was so fortunate. I was able to work in wholesale in their um, handbags and accessories division. And I worked with the director of wholesale and multiple account executives at the time. And I learned a lot just about um, 
you know, how they train their associates at a wholesale level and market and fashion week and just, it really opened my eyes to that world. So I knew when I got out of school that I wanted to be in that area or that field. So when I was at Vince, so I was able to work with them doing some visual merchandising in the store. And I always enjoyed just talking to people and meeting new people. So I think that was another thing that they saw in me that I was personable and I was able to, you know, really my store manager introduced me to the merchandise manager who essentially oversaw all of the field um, associates. So all of the retail coordinators and I introduced myself to people and really talked to people about the product. So when I was done and I graduated, Mm -hmm. the merchandise manager reached out to my store manager and asked if I would be interested in interviewing for this retail coordinator role. So when I had spoken to her, you know, I wasn't really sure what a retail coordinator was at the time. And, you know, she really explained it to me and broke it down for me. Cause again, it's not something that everybody knows about if you're not in this field. She explained it to me. I said, Oh, I think this is something I'm re- I, I would be really good at. I took the opportunity. I interviewed with her. I interviewed with the founder at the time and I got the job and it was my first full-time job of school. So I loved it. It was the best experience. Um, My manager at the time is, to this day, she is a mentor to me. We stayed From from the moment that you got that studio at 19, like, what what has it taught you? Have you ever, you know, come to the realization that you needed to leave New York and and come back? Or, you know, any big life moments that you want to talk about that you know, follow you to this day and have made you, you know, a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser or yeah, even for just, sure. So I know, a little think, bit more self-aware. Like I said, I think independence was the number one thing for me. And, um, it just kind of helped me, you know, grow as a person. And I think, um, also when you live alone, you're also more social when you're not. So when you're out in, you know, more social settings, you know, you learn to kind of create your, you know, your circle, like your friends. And, I, you know, it's funny. I, I would say when I was in LIM, I made three really close friends specifically that um, from the school and through them, I met other people that also weren't necessarily at LIM, but they were in the industry. Like some of them were models or some were in digital marketing that maybe were a little bit older than me or, you know, you just meet so many different people. So I think it was very, it was a really interesting time in my life where I was really able to expand my social circle and make those connections. And, you know, I had left that studio at one point and moved into a different apartment and, you know, really continued on in my career and my path. And um, at one point I did end up leaving Vince and I went to another company. I went to Ellie Tahari where there was more opportunity for territory expansion So I did more of Northeast and kind of DC metro area as well. Um, And during that time, again, I had amazing experience. Um, I actually ended up getting that opportunity through somebody who had previously been at Vince and had become the VP at that company and, um, you know, really building my career that way. And 
Um, but turns out I didn't stay very long because I decided to move and be with somebody else again on a romantic level. So I left New York. Uh, I ended up going to Little Rock, which was uh, very interesting. <laughs> it was such a change. Very different. I didn't expect you to say Little Rock right now. I knew, <laughs> I knew you had moved previously, but I, I didn't. I feel like I, did <laughs> I, mean, not remember I feel like I blocked out, out a little bit. No, but I think that there's like such a misconception, but I can, like I said, I can find beauty in almost anything. So I thought the state was beautiful. It was very different. I mean, being someone who's born and raised in New York and coming to moving to the South and being in a different kind of environment and, and, you know, being with somebody that kind of opens your eyes to different things. Um, but I loved it for the time that I was there. Um, turns out that relationship didn't work out for me. Um, but I ended up coming back to New York. Um, so I think just moving, I've left New York twice. So that was the first time I had left New York and it really just opened my eyes to just a completely different world and to really see that New Yorkers live in a bubble. Wouldn't you say? I, you know, caught me off guard, but yeah, I think that, you know, I did not grow up yeah. here. You know, I always talk about moving here and now it's been 10 years and I think it is a bubble. Yeah. I mean, it's a bubble that I really like. Um, I think that going anywhere else, it even surprises me, you know, and I did, you know, I ended up traveling to a couple different places through work, similar to what you mentioned, kind of in the Northeast area. So it's still not like, mm-hmm. you know, a little you know, really jazzy area. Um, but you go to these places and you're there maybe a day or two and you just see it's very completely different, you know, just the way people carry on their lives like it's just so different and I feel like New York you always feel like you need to be on like you're you're you have to be uh, again self-aware you know really prepared for anything and I think that mm-hmm. everywhere else is a little bit laid so. back but even like you know very very laid back and then but it you know you kind of can still you know carry on with your day and it's not like people don't feel yeah. like they're stressed at all times and it is, it is nice like to kind of get away again. I feel like I'm still in the, in the portion of mm-hmm. my life that I like being in New York and I haven't hit kind of that milestone. Yeah. And you like, might not, Oh my and God, I okay. need to get out of you know, here. Or, everybody's you know. journey's different. Yeah. So yeah. that's totally like, it's okay. If you never want to leave, New York is an amazing place. Like it is my home. It is the city I, you know, I was born in the Bronx, so I was born in the boroughs, and then I went to high school in the suburbs, like right outside the city, an hour north of the city. So for me, New York has always been my home. The city has always been my home. So, you know, to leave and to go somewhere else, somewhere so drastically different, it really just opened my eyes just to, you know, how other people live their life and how, you know, maybe the pressure isn't as intense elsewhere and you know coming back obviously was it was Mm -hmm. difficult because I came back in you know as a single person not in a relationship so it was obviously hard coming back but (laughs) um it it was just very eye-opening and I and I don't discredit that experience I had at all because I really enjoyed it for what it was and coming back to New York you know I was very very fortunate I was able to get a position almost immediately. And that's when I started with frame. It was a very lengthy 
interview process. Mm-hmm. I think I interviewed for almost four months and then they finally got back to me. Um, but I was lucky enough that I was able to find something as quick as I, I did because I can't say that that's the norm for a lot of people. Um, so especially then being with yeah. frame, I was able to, you know, there was only two retail coordinators, whereas with other companies, I know with J brand, for example, there are, um, they have multiple in different regions and major cities, but with frame, it was still relatively small. The, you know, obviously mm-hmm. now it's such a huge brand. And if you're in this world, you know, of the brand, um, but it was relatively small team. And it was only two of us. There was myself on the East Coast and my counterpart on the West Coast. And so I had real opportunity. I would travel from Minnesota down to Florida and everywhere in between. And um, I was really able to build that business and make a mark on that business and, you know, was able to open other hard shops and travel to all these places that I might not, like, I probably in my life would have not gone to Minnesota otherwise, (laughs) but I had opportunities to do that with frame. Um, But I think in the back of my mind, while this was going on, I always knew that I wanted to leave New York because I didn't think my time, I didn't think I was ready to come back, if that makes sense. And I think I still had like some kind of adventure within me that I didn't fully meet uh, during my time in Arkansas, if that makes sense. No, I I think it does. Mm Because, you know, at the time, like you said, this was, it was a life move. You, you moved there and it wasn't really a career choice. You kind of almost, I want to say, and again, this is, you know, my opinion, but I, I think it was almost like you put a pause on your career. You moved to, you moved to Arkansas and then, you know, things yeah. unfortunately didn't work out, but that's still a huge life lesson, you know, whether or not, you know, things go well, things don't go well. Every mm-hmm. moment is, yeah. you know, something for you to learn on, something for you to build on. So you're, you're right. back exactly. to New York and you weren't really necessarily ready. You know, it, it, and I think that that's, that's totally fine because, you know, it's just this big life moment happens and then it's like a flip of a switch. You are trying to get on, like, let's say the first plane out of there, but you're right you're back here and you're like, Oh my God, I'm back in New York. And it's almost like it's a culture shock again, because even though you're so familiar with it, you know, you grew up here, you're at a different stage of your life that you're then like, what just happened? Like, did I just waste away these years or like how, well, how is that? Like, what am I doing now? And, and I think it was the moment probably that you realized, you needed to search for that independence again and yes, like take exactly. that next adventure by yourself to mm-hmm. really understand what your next move would be. And I mean, it's great, you know, again, you, you mentioned having interviewed for four months, which, you know, it does happen. And I think it's a big moment for any of us to wait for the right job to come versus taking right, a exactly. job that you might not feel fulfilled yes. with. And I just think there's to something to be said from any experience you know, like we said, the way that my relationship ended up and the way that, you know, me coming back wasn't necessarily my quote unquote plan. But just because you take a break with your quote unquote plan doesn't mean you can't get back on track and doesn't mean you can't pick another avenue or another lane to take, you know, and nobody's journey is the same. So like, I don't want people to think, you know, 
you have to do this and you have to do it this one way. That's not necessarily true. And you take something away from everything you do in this life. So for me, if there's anything I want to tell anybody about just my personal journey and just about life is regardless of which direction you take, you'll be okay. You will absolutely be okay. And you will figure it out and you make it work. And maybe it's not what you thought it would be, but it'll be great at the end of the day. That's ultimately what I want people to know is you will be okay. (laughs) Reassess your plan and, you know, be honest with yourself that, you know, you need to change lanes. It happened, whether, you know, it's a crisis, like what's happening now, or if it's really just something that happened in your life that you were just, you know, unhappy. You know, like I said, coming back to New York, I'm, I'm thankful I, I did. Um, and like I said, everything happens for, I believe everything happens for a reason. And, um, in that time that I had come back, I, my dad was not doing well health wise. And I was able to spend, I actually moved in with him and I was able to spend the time with him, which is, I haven't lived with my dad since I was what, 15 or 16 years old. So the fact that I had that opportunity as an adult to live with my dad when he wasn't doing well, I am so thankful for that. And it was almost a blessing in disguise for me to come back to New York and for me to work at frame and again, meet more people in this industry and make new friends and um, being able to spend that time with my family. I really value that period of my life. I 100% agree. I think that there are, you know, easy decisions and there's hard decisions. And as you said, at the end of the day, whether it's family or friends or a partner that's supporting you in your decision, you need to do what you feel is right. And whether if that's moving away or taking a job or not taking a job or leaving a bad job, and mm-hmm. not having a next, you know, step on your plan, which again, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's something, it's really heavy. It's a really heavy time. And going back to, you know, how we met, there was a couple, I want to say weeks, maybe months that I had seen you and we hadn't originally talked or chatted more than like a simple mm-hmm. hello. It was kind of like, oh, the frame rep is here or, oh, hey, mm-hmm. the, you know, if it was for myself, I'm sure you were like, oh, Jay Brent's here. And, you know, that was really it. And it was just like, you know, you were just crossing paths. And, you know, eventually when you do take the time to talk to someone and get to know someone and you find those, you know, relatable experiences, that's how you know right then and there, okay, this is going to be a friend. You know, this is someone that, you know, will Mm -hmm. be able to call in two years And, you know, be able to catch up and have a great conversation and really, you know, understand where we're at, you know, in each other's lives. And I think that that's really something that is really important. I think we've talked about some really good takeaways that you've had along the years, again, of just making sure that it's okay not to, you know, follow a plan or, you know, if you do have a plan and if it doesn't work out, then that's fine. Let's just rewrite the plan. And I think that that's like mm-hmm. one of the and you major, can always go home. Major takeaways <laughs> here for home. sure. It doesn't matter where you're from or you know where you travel to. If it doesn't work out, or if you're done and you're just ready for something different, or just ready to go back home, like that's okay too. You know, so I 
again, I don't discredit people for moving and coming back or whatever their path is. Like, do you? I support it. (laughs) Now for my favorite part of the podcast, let's talk about some of your favorite places that you've come to love over the years. John's Pizza. Okay, I grew up going there with my family. So it holds such a special place in my heart. And it's like the best pizza. Like this place is old. I have no idea how long they've been open for. But it's tiny. The floor is completely cracked and uneven. Like they have done zero renovations. And God knows how long they've been open. All of their seats, like their booths, are all old. And they're wooden. And they've been carved into So there's like names and just like quotes and just anything you can think of has been carved into these booths. So if you're interested in getting some really good New York pizza, I recommend it. They only do it by the pie, not by the slice. So you have to go in and sit down and eat a pie there or you take it to go a whole pie. So I definitely recommend that if you ever want some good New York pizza. I want to talk about maybe just your overall – you mentioned before too that you know you love New York, you love coming back here. It it definitely holds a special place in your heart, not just because your family's here, um, but growing up here as well. Is there any place that you would recommend to anybody that you know doesn't live in New York? Some place that maybe holds a special memory for you, or maybe just like a a feel good place um, that you would you know love <laughs> so to go I, to when like I feel like there's so many places like being in the city and just you can literally eat some eat or drink or visit somewhere different every single day and never come up with the same place twice I just feel like there's so many different places but so let's see um if you're gonna go for pizza <laughs> I love there yeah. are places, for instance, that are just like your your favorite coffee shop that you love to like go and like, you know, sit on your computer and answer emails to. Like there's so many different mm-hmm. ways that we work here in New York, I think, and, and just spend our time, which now, of course, like we, we don't have that option. But, you know, it's really different. Even just like going to get your favorite drink, like there is a restaurant um, in Flatiron and it's, I would say it's fairly popular. It's called ABC Cochina and it's kind of like a Latin influence and they, their basil, I think it's a basil cucumber oh, yeah. margarita and it is mm-hmm. to die for. Like, I think that's one of my favorite drinks in the city, to be honest with you. So I think it's a little bit of everything, you know, whether it's a little bit more like posh and, um, you know, for nightlife or whether it's just hanging out at the park with your friends. I think it just depends on who you're there with, you know, and those are the places that kind of hold like the most special memories for me. There's always somewhere new that you can go, whether or not it's actually new or old. There's always, you know, something out there that you've never been to. Like, yeah. No, I think it's definitely, I, I just love to hear our yeah. answers because it's always, you know, it's either there's some similarities and maybe there's places that you haven't been to, which I think is one of the beauties of New York. I'd be like, oh, let me walk down Washington and so then I beautiful. would end up like on Bleecker. And I remember that was my favorite walk. And I think it still is yeah. to this day. Like when you walk on Bleecker and you pass the playground that then it's all the shops and you have like 
I think now it's like there's like a Sandro and there's like I think it's maybe yes. a vegan Voltaire. But uh-huh. then on the corner there was that Marc Jacobs store that was like a bookstore. I used to love going in there because they always had like little yes. tchotchkes of like Mark by Mark Jacobs, which obviously was like the more affordable line. You know, I think that's really interesting and why I think I always am yeah. so happy like just <laughs> when I'm walking around and like let's say I take a different left turn and I end up like somewhere random like and I think that that's how I got to love it like I remember working in meatpacking and as we mentioned previously there wasn't really much around like picture books and stuff that you know again like I think that to someone who who loves fashion and who loves art you go into a store like that and you're like oh my god it's such a curated selection of things and it's so different that you know I I just love I just remember loving like walking on that street because it was just so different and like again, the shops and like that little experience like was, was really amazing. So to relate back to, to what you were saying, like, what is something that, you know, you, we've talked a lot about a couple of things that you love about New York, but like, what's something that you truly love and, and truly like hate about New York in a, in a sense, because, you know, living here for so long, you have to have something that, you know, you hate and it could be something that, you know, just happened this week, or it could be something that, you know, um, it's just hmm, always been York. like a, a factor still, in, in your life. Sometimes the overcrowding still gets to me, depending on where, and I think the older I've gotten, you know, I turned 30 this past year, and I think the older I've gotten, the less I want to be around the crowds, and I don't want to wait in line to get into the newest restaurant mm-hmm. or you know, whatever it might be. I think that's something that I will still just say is just a pain in the ass. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, the smells, <laughs> the smells still get to me. Um, so, and I think the cost of living, you know, that's like <laughs> a big thing, you know, the cost of living and the crowds and you don't get a whole lot of bang for your buck in terms of living space. But I think the alternative, which the experience that you get obviously outweighs it. So, you know, being on a street at night during the summer when it's beautiful outside, I think is one of my most favorite things. And I feel like that's New York. That's what I think of when I think of New York is just hearing like music playing and people walking on the streets and just like the beautiful air. I love that about it. So I definitely have, I think everybody has like a love hate relationship. So I would say that that those are my that's the downside to New York. I think we've come thank to you. our a lot of time. Danielle, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. And I hope Yeah, you definitely. Thank you so much. And I can't and wait to see home. you after the quarantine's and we over. We'll <laughs> see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Realistically with Liz. You can listen to all episodes on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Make sure to rate and subscribe and follow us on Instagram for updates at Realistically with Liz.